I think so often, especially when we think about building relationships with people, we can tend to hold our faith close until we feel that we're comfortable enough in a relationship to share that. And sometimes... I mean, it can get to be months, maybe even a year or two before you finally feel safe enough to bring up that spiritual... And then it's weird. And then it's weird. <laughs> As opposed to just from the very beginning, I mean, we all know if there's something we love and we're excited about, we talk about it. You know, we share it. We say, you should try this. You should do this. If we if we love Jesus that much, that should just flow out of our natural being. And it, and it can flow in natural conversations, you know, whether it's just a friend who is sharing that they're struggling with something and saying, well, you know what, I'll pray, I'll pray about that for you, you know, or just saying, can I just share something with you? I don't know how you feel about this, but God was, I was in the Bible this morning and just, this is, I was really challenged by this today. And people might, yeah, I don't know what they might think about that first, but I just, we've experienced in our life that then in those people's lives, when the bottom falls out and things get hard, if you're a person that they, you uh, they know you talk to God, they're going to be coming to you. And I think that's where then there's these opportunities of knowing that that person is somebody who walks with God or talks with God. And um, it's it's just, yeah, it becomes a place for relationship to grow and spiritual conversations to happen. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Be One, Make One, a discipleship podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. Trying to discern God's will for your life can seem weird or overly spiritual, but others may be paralyzed by fear of getting it wrong and ruining their life. This week, I chat with my friends Brad and Katie about what it looks like for them to follow God's call. All right. Well, thanks for being here today, guys. It is great to be with you. Thanks, Ethan. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, I know we haven't spent a lot of time together, so I'm excited just to even, for my own sake, hear your story and hear what God's been doing, how he's led you in the past, how you got here. Um, so first, I would love to hear from both of you on how you really caught the vision of making disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my first experience in that really came uh, as a student in college. Um, got involved um, with some different things on campus, but... Um, I was an RA one year and had um, kind of been assigned a mentor. I was went to a Christian college, and uh, she just really poured into me and gave me a vision for what it means to really invest in somebody else's life for the purpose of investing in another. Um, and with that, then I started meeting with some um, underclassmen. I was a junior at the time and just started opening up the word together and pouring into it and just seeing that process and seeing the joy in that investment and then seeing them invest in other people um, really gave me a vision for how God might want to use my life and what it would just look like for the everyday person um, to invest in another. Uh, so that's kind of where I caught a vision for what that might look like. That's cool. Yeah, you know, for me, I think it was um, God has just always placed really godly men in my life that have invested deeply, whether that was my dad or a youth pastor or... When I got to college, it was a campus ministry director that really just poured his life into me. And I just experienced what life-to-life -life disciple-making was. I didn't have that language for it at that point, but I was experiencing it. And then connecting that later as I began to grow in my, in my walk with the Lord for disciple-making and putting that um, the Great Commission 
together with 2 Timothy 2.2 and giving your life away one to the next in order to be able to um, share the story of God's glory to the ends of the earth. And so what I experienced was disciple making and it just, it, it was so effective in my own life that I just really wanted to be able to give that away to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So at what point did you guys, your, your paths cross together? Yeah, we um, actually met in college. Um, as uh, Brad was a junior, I was a, a sophomore, and we actually met through a mutual friend, uh, started dating, actually. And um, Brad, actually, from the very beginning, I knew that he was really interested in what um, serving overseas, going and making disciples in other nations um, was really on his heart. And the Lord had been stirring that in my heart, too, and in, in, since I was a senior in high school. And our paths, as we started dating, just began to kind of meld together, and the Lord um, began to lead us in that direction together. Yeah, I knew I wanted to go overseas from an early age. And so when we started dating, it was kind of, we, we knew that was the trajectory that God was leading us in. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, one thing led to the next and we ended up overseas together. Wow, that's awesome. So, I, so I'd love to hear, we talked about kind of how you guys caught the vision of disciple making. Mm-hmm. So when did you get the missions bug mm-hmm. i know there's always a kind of a moment where someone's like okay i think i'm called to go i don't mm-hmm. have a story like that so i'd love mm-hmm. to hear you said high school but i think you mentioned really early for you so i'd love yeah. to hear yeah story for me there. it was really early ethan so this is not probably typical for most but uh <laughs> for me it was in fourth grade um and so yeah, my the senior pastor from my home church had come back from visiting some missionaries that were supported by our church. And I remember on a Wednesday night at a boys club, he was um, talking about his experience of uh, all these different people that he had visited. And at the end of that talk, he gave us all a coin from the different countries that he'd been to. And he said, your life is like a coin. You can only spend it once. Choose wisely. And man, you know, it was... I had one of those experiences where I just very clearly heard God's voice inside my heart saying, Brad, your life is going to be about the nations. And so I didn't know what that would look like as a fourth grader, but moving forward, um, God had just given me a a heart for adventure and cross-cultural experiences. I got to go on some short-term trips and um, went to Bible school in Germany. Went to Bible, yeah, went to Bible college in Germany and then came back and in college got involved in some missions-related uh, fellowships and started reading about God's heart for the nations and started to see more of God's plan for His glory among the nations and the scriptures. But it really all started with that coin in fourth grade that God just planted that, um, that passion from an early age. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I mean, my story probably isn't quite, quite as exciting or this like God moment per se. It was much more of a gradual journey and process. Um, I actually didn't go on my first cross, cross-cultural short-term trip um, until my senior year in high school. And it was actually after several years of really kind of contemplating and debating whether I would want to go. It seemed kind of scary. I had some younger sisters who actually went before I ever went and my senior year of high school, an opportunity came up and I just felt like the Lord was just continually nudging me to go on that trip. And I went to to Chile in South America and had a phenomenal experience just seeing 
another culture and God's glory expressed in another people. And it just really light lit a little fire in my heart um, to say, Lord, what might this look like? How would you want to use my life? And so it was that when he began to stir that in my heart and then going to college, um, got involved in the same fellowship that Brad was into. Just uh, we would invite missionaries from all over the world to come and speak. And so with just hearing those incredible inspirational stories of men and women of faith stepping out and trusting God um, to do big things in their lives just really inspired us to say, Lord, I don't know what we have to offer, but here I am. Send me sort of a thing. Um, and that those inspiring stories were really um, continued to light a passion in our heart for the nations. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the, a lot of those stories that were from so many different parts of the world, from mm -hmm. so many different people with so many different backgrounds, recognizing that it wasn't just one kind of person that God was mm -hmm. using, and it wasn't just one strategy that everybody had to use. It was There was such diversity and such variety uh, of people and places and mm -hmm. methods that it, it allowed us the space to be able to start to dream ourselves of, you know, what what God, what may God want to do in us, through us, and just gave us the freedom to start dreaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you guys talked about meeting in college. You both kind of had this passion to go. So after you guys met, got married, how quickly did you guys end up going overseas? Well, we, when we graduated from school, we had some debt. Uh, so we had to get rid of that and sure. as quickly as possible. <laughs> People can probably relate with that coming out of college. Yeah, so yeah. we knew we wanted to go overseas. Uh, and so we both started working. Probably the greatest debt reduction strategy we had was getting married so that we could actually live off of one salary and use the other one to pay off debt as quickly as possible. So that's what we did. We lived off of ramen and frozen pizza and and, and cleared out that. It took us about two and a half, about years. Two and a half years to get rid of get rid of that debt. And we just, you know, we tried to stay on that trajectory uh, with the choices that we were making mm -hmm. of living simply, getting rid of debt, not, you know, invest, buying big, big things <laughs> that would keep us, stuff. yeah, that would keep us anchored. Um, mm -hmm. And, and surrounded ourselves with people to say, hey, we want to do this, uh, keep us accountable to it so that we don't mm -hmm. get pulled into, you know, something else that would maybe be distracting for us. Yeah, yeah that's interesting, because I think I'd be curious to hear if, if at any point in those two and a half years before you left or went somewhere, did you ever kind of question the calling at all? Or how how did you keep growing in confidence that this is what God wanted mm -hmm. you to do? Yeah, we knew one of the, some of the things that we were kind of pondering when we came out of college was, you know, you get this stirring of Lord I know you're calling me to the nations, but the world is a big world, right? I mean, it's like, where do you go? And so those were some of the things that we were kind of just asking. Um, one of the things that just from stories and different experiences, the things the Lord was leading us to is we knew we wanted to go work among completely unreached people group. We knew we wanted to pioneer a new work. Um, the Lord was really laying on our hearts working among Muslims, um, that particular people group. But even with those parameters, it's still a very large <laughs> po yeah, population yeah. in the world, right? And so we ended up um, going to the church that Brad had grown up in and talking with um, the missions pastor there and just started kind of sharing some of the things that were on our hearts. And um, he really challenged us to go and take a vision trip 
to kind of see and check out some different areas and locations and possibilities. So I think we did take take a vision trip. We actually ended up taking two during those two and a half years, um, one just the two of us. And then eventually we took another one with some friends that we were actually recruiting to go with us that we had been in college together with. And so it was those that just continual those vision trips really kept the vision alive, really started making things real to us, helped us really nail down a location, a place where we were going to go, um, and kept us focused on on where we were going and what we were doing. Yeah, you know, I think it was a lot of the things that Katie mentioned were kind of step-by-step obedience sort of mm-hmm. things. Uh, it wasn't everything. We had this grand plan and it was all mapped out and we knew exactly where we were going to be at any given time. And we ended up having our first our first kid um, before we en- ended up going overseas. And But it was, you know, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't mention while we were in college, we started praying with two other, four other friends really. Mm-hmm. And we ended up, all six of us ended up going overseas together. Mm-hmm. So there was this kind of this built-in accountability among our friendship group of saying, all right, we're in this together. Let's let's keep taking that next step. You know, going, talking to my the missions pastor at my home church was a next step. Then it was, all right, well, you should go take a, a survey trip. Okay, mm-hmm. so we did that. Um, then it was, you know, come back and look at different mission organizations. And so we did that. And I mean, it was just, we didn't know five steps forward. It was just, what's the next step of obedience that we, we can take and all part of a, trying to be on a, on a trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And so when you finally did go, if you can share, I don't know, security re- issues, um, but where did you go and in what capacity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we went to Southeast Asia. We'll leave it at that. Um, and we knew that this particular country that we were going to, we, you know, we couldn't go as, as traditional missionaries and like Katie mentioned into a Muslim context. And so, so the traditional missionary kind of meaning church planting as a pastor or, uh, you know, a theological, you know, capacity of, of some kind, we needed to go and have a professional identity that was other than professional Christian. Um, and so, you know, we weren't going to, uh, go and work at a church. We weren't going to go and work at a seminary. We weren't going to go and do anything like that. It just wasn't, wasn't an option, uh, for this particular Muslim people group. And so it was, we started asking questions of what kind of, what kind of an identity would make sense in this cultural context? Uh, what would, what would make sense to them? in regard to not being, we didn't want to be weird. Um, and you know, if the messenger's weird, the message is weird. And so we need it. We want we're trying to figure out how do we remove as many weird factors as possible to be able to have authentic relationships, to make a legitimate contribution to the community in which we were trying to serve. We wanted to bring the message of Jesus in a holistic context um, that would meet the people that we were trying to reach where they were at. Mm-hmm. So um, all that to say, we ended up with a, a business identity and and started an, eventually started a number of different businesses in the community that we were living in. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So I know um, with traditional kind of missionary work, there's almost, you can kind of easily, or it can be easy to think you know what success is, but imagine with that kind of strategy and plan, it's, it's, it's not traditional. So how did you guys, yeah, how did you guys define success in that mm-hmm. mission? Uh, yeah, for the first, like the first year, actually really what, yeah. first year, second year, it was great. We, our success factors or our goals for the first year really was to love God, love our family and learn the language and culture. And just having that as our primary success factor, because you can go in, you know, to a place and, and want to have, think you're going to do all these things, especially in the first year, second year, you're going to see all this fruit of your ministry. It's just going to, and and God could certainly do that. But I think especially giving a lot of grace in those spaces to um, just give a chance to really settle into a culture, to be a good learner, a good language learner, if you're learning a new language, a uh, good cultural learner, um, really became the success indicators for our first um, couple of years. Um, do you want to continue on? Yeah. And, and one of our ministry coaches that we had while we were over there um, was really helping us to see every relationship that mm-hmm. God was giving us as a sovereign divine appointment. Mm-hmm, and so each one of those, each relationship, the question was always, what's the next step in advancing the gospel, advancing the kingdom of God in this person's life? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was... You know, maybe you got to get their cell phone number. Maybe you need to go out to lunch with them. Maybe you need to ask them the next question about where they're at spiritually. Maybe you need to engage with them in a family or marriage dynamic. Um, so it was always asking the question, what's the next step in that in that relationship? The other the other part was, you know, we were very intentional about. Um, within the first couple of conversations with any new relationship that God had given us, we were always very intentional about speaking of things of the kingdom, mm-hmm. Think, talking about answered prayer, talking about something we were reading in the scriptures, talking about uh, what we were what we were praying about or that sort of a thing, to be able to gauge are the people that we're talking with spiritually minded? Is the spirit of God at work in their hearts softening their their souls to the seed of the gospel. Um, and, you know, if there was absolutely zero response, we honestly probably didn't spend as much time investing in that relationship as the relationship where they jumped all over it and started telling us about a dream that they had had or started telling us about, you know, um, the deep hunger in their souls for connecting to God in some way. Well, those, we, the, the kingdom of God was already beginning to grow in that person's heart, and we wanted to be able to tap into that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, those awesome. were some kind of leading indicators, if you will, of of how we would look to see where is God at work and how do we join Him. Yeah, I love that because in what you in what you just said, other than the learning the culture and language, I think people can do that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah advance every relationship mm-hmm. towards the gospel in some way. Maybe it's asking that first spiritual question, getting a phone number, going out to, for drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we can do that here, mm-hmm. be missional here. And Absolutely. I just, I love that. It's all about the relationship. Absolutely. Um, 
because I think you're right. Like God's God is working everywhere, mm-hmm. and He will He'll give us those people. Mm-hmm. So that whenever you do ask a spiritual question, it's almost in my experience, they can almost like relax and be like, "Oh, there's someone that is kind of thinking like I am." Even if we're not, even if they're not even Christians yet, they at least have this spiritual hunger, mm-hmm. right? And we yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and we were. I mean. Just speaking about here, too, in these relationships, it was, you know, I think so often, especially when we think about building relationships with people, we can tend to hold our faith close until we feel that we're comfortable enough in a relationship to share that. And sometimes, I mean, it can get to be months, maybe even a year or two before you finally feel safe enough to bring up that spiritual... And then it's weird. And then it's weird, (laughs) as opposed to just from the very beginning... I mean, we all know if there's something we love and we're excited about, we talk about it. You know, we share it. We say, you should try this. You should do this. If we if we love Jesus that much, that should just flow out of our natural being. And it, and it right. can flow in natural conversations, you know, whether it's just a friend who is sharing that they're struggling with something and saying, well, you know what? I'll pray, I'll pray about that for you, you know, or just saying, can I just share something with you? I don't know how you feel about this, but God was, I was in the Bible this morning and just, this is, I was really challenged by this today. And people might, yeah, I don't know what they might think about that first, but I just, we've experienced in our life that then in those people's lives, when the bottom falls out and things get hard, if you're a person that they, you, uh, they know you talk to God, they're going to be coming to you. And I think that's where then there's these opportunities of knowing that that person is somebody who walks with God or talks with God. And, um, it's, it's just, yeah, it becomes a place for relationship to grow and spiritual conversations to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sharing some of your story, guys. Um, and I also like to maybe move more in terms of um, the, making disciples. So as you've mm-hmm. thought about making disciples, how do you – I love hearing you guys talk about how you felt the calling on your life for missions. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you and kind of help someone as they're trying to discover – what their calling is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think um, we're all called to to be disciples and mm-hmm. disciple makers, regardless mm-hmm. of the context that we're in. Mm-hmm. So, um, does God have have a, a passion for His glory among the nations? Absolutely, He does. And so, you know, as we are exploring what is God's call on on your life or the lives of people we're working with, I think. One of the things we try to do is is to make God's heart for the nations part of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, to recognize that um, that the Great Commission is a commission to the ends of the earth. It is all nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Revelation seven nine is clear: every tongue, tribe, and nation will be gathered. So to to make make the nations just a part of of everyday conversation, I think is is a first piece of it. And to recognize that we've all got a different role to play mm-hmm. in in reaching the nations. Not everyone is going to go, but everybody can pray. Everybody can be involved at some level financially. Everybody can can in, include, integrate God's heart for the nations in their disciple making, mm-hmm. and God will choose some that He wants to go. And it kind it kind of goes back to those things that. You know, God has laid on on your heart and and our hearts, and the way that God has has put His different passions in different people's lives. Um, and so, what we try to do is is help people discover what are the passions that God has placed in your heart, 
and and how might he want to use those for the advancement of the gospel, whether that's with your neighbor to live on mission in your your neighborhood or whether God may be birthing a passion and a vision for something that is cross-cultural, that that is overseas. Um, any thought? Any more thoughts, Katie? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit already about just taking the next step. Um, you know, I think sometimes we all we all long for these like Moses and the burning bush experiences of God showing up and saying, "I have called you to Ireland or Scotland or you know Southeast Asia," and saying, "Okay." Um, I don't know. In my life, I feel like, and I think in most people that I talk to, it's just a just take one step forward. What is the next thing God is asking you to do? And then he seems to bless obedience. Yeah. Bless obedience. Do. And then, then, then he opens the door to the next thing, or he gives you another experience or another opportunity. And then you just step into that. And gradually these doors kind of open, you know, in that Psalm 119, when it says, you know, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's that picture of a, a lamp or hanging on your hand, you know, so you have light right there in that next step, but you don't get the next piece of light until you take that next step. And I feel like that God doesn't give us that spotlight usually (laughs) and give us a whole picture of this grand plan for our lives. But it's these small, faithful steps of obedience where he just opens one door and open the next. And if God's stirring in your heart, heart, you know, what might it be like to serve cross-culturally or bring the gospel to another another place or people? Just take a short term trip, get an experience, have a, you know, have a conversation with some, with a missionary overseas. Um, it, there's so many ways for us to connect with God's heart for the nations um, yeah. that can help open the door to see if he might ca- be calling you there as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love this idea of it's just a small step of obedience at a time. Mm-hmm. And I feel even in my life that has been, it's almost like you have to work out that muscle of obedience. Absolutely, yes. yes. <laughs> and then as you do yeah. just little things, little things, little things, I feel like I've started to understand, okay, I think this is God leading. Mm-hmm. This is what it feels like when I obey and mm-hmm. so and I experience him in it. Yes. So then it's like, I think he's over, I think he's actually over here. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like, as I keep going, yeah, very rarely have there been like spotlight, huge, the cl- clouds open and yeah. do this. But yeah. I think if anything, my life has... I think God, not that these become less clear, but less specific. Mm-hmm. And then it's more about, I, I, you know me and I know you and let's just live this life together. Yep. What do you want to do? Yep. Where do you want to go? Yep. Yeah, I, I think there is that fear of, you know, am I going to get this right? Mm-hmm. Um, that or God, wrong. Or wrong, <laughs> yeah. That God's got this one thing and if I miss it, man, I am, I'm, I've I'm, messed up my, I've whole, messed life. Up my whole life. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I, th- I think as we do walk closer, it's clear, right, that, that God wants all of us to follow after him in obedience, that he wants to transform and conform each of us into, into the image of his son. He's committed to doing that. And it, mm-hmm. it, to the degree and as we increasingly long to follow him, to honor him, grow closer, abiding more deeply in him, he delights to speak to his kids and you know we are his shep we are his sheep he is the shepherd you know we're designed to know his name mm-hmm. um and so to be able to to believe that if god wants us to do something he's going to let us know 
Otherwise, he's given us everything we need to know <laughs> in his very precious promises. And all that we need for life and godliness is written in, in his book. And so we are obedient to what, what we know is true. And we keep moving forward. You know, it's a lot easier to steer a moving car than it is a parked car. And so we keep moving towards what we know of who he is, his character, his purposes, mm -hmm. and trust that, that our hearts are going to be led by his spirit mm -hmm. in that um, because we, we delight to obey him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. I think just to add to that too, um, you know, God's will for, I think we all want to know what is God's will for my life. And we think about it in terms of what does he want us to do or this grand contribution we're going to make to his kingdom. And that's a beautiful thing. But I think if you read closely in his word, his main work is in us, what he, the work that he's doing in us. And yes, that eventually leads to what he does through us. But if First Thessalonians talks about God's will is your sanctification to make you like Jesus. God's will is that you be a disciple. God's will is that, you know, you rejoice always, pray continuously, be thankful in all things. Those things are really clear. And I think it, sometimes we need to take a step back and say, is is that's what's happening in my life right now? Am I pursuing Christ in those things? And then he's going to work through me. But sometimes I think we want the work before we want the exterior work, before we really want to commit to the interior work and how he wants to use us as well. So. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what, what practices and disciplines um, do you guys kind of keep that help you kind of keep following Jesus closely? Mm -hmm. One of the things that's been most significant for us in our marriage um, is getting up in the morning together um, and we go downstairs, we get a cup of coffee, we sit on the couch together, we talk through the day, mm -hmm. and then we pray, pray for each other, we pray for our kids, we pray for friends and family and you know circumstances going on around us, and then we kind of split off and we go have our own um, time in the scriptures to, or alone with um, read the Bible and journal and, and mm -hmm. pray and those sorts of things. But that's probably been as one of the most significant rhythms in our marriage together mm -hmm. uh, that we do. Um, in, in addition to that, I'm, I make sure that I set aside a day a month. Um, my work schedule is such that I, I can afford to do that. And so that really is, is a blessing for me to be able to uh, I've got my own kind of prayer closet that I go to for the day and um, spend time studying the scriptures and uh, praying and um, doing some writing and journaling and reflecting. Mm -hmm. Those are um, some basic rhythms that have been helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, in addition to us um, spending time together, um, again, just being in the word. <laughs> Um, daily, um, taking extended quiet times away, um, learning to listen. I think that's a practice that is hard to do. I know it's hard for me, but learning to shut all the noise off that we have so much noise around us. Our phones are always distracting us, emails, everything. Um, but to really learn what it is to listen to the voice of God, I think just developing the practice of you know, abide, what it means to abide in Christ. And someone recently had said that abiding in Christ is becoming increasingly more aware of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so that to me has just 
has been what has been stirring in my heart the most lately is how what does it mean to live in this you know continual conversation with the Father throughout the day, even just in the little things, but knowing that He is He's with us, His presence is with us, and trying to develop those habits of just talking to the Lord like I would, like He was sitting right here with me, yeah. um, and 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 learning what that is to be increasingly more aware of His presence. Um, so that's just been something else that's been on my heart in recent days um, and developing rhythms and ways of walking more deeply with them. But um, I do think just, you know, I feel like growing in understanding and knowledge of the scriptures, I think has, you know, I think there's a decrease in biblical literacy. These just how do we, how do we really go deep in the scriptures, learning what it is to read through the whole entirety of the Bible and understanding God's whole redemptive story, um, not just little pieces here and there or verses here and there, but really understanding the grand scheme of God's redemptive story through his word and really reading it from cover to cover um, and, and walking in that and, and knowing more of who he is is really important. And that's been super important to me in more recent years as well. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for being here. All right. I really love that. Thanks for having Thanks us. Good stuff. Glad to have conversations. Yeah, great. Good stuff. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at navigators.org. 